As many longtime listeners know, I've always been fascinated by integrations. It's a way to make one plus one equal 100 when it comes to driving value from our systems. In this episode, we'll find out what's new in our Tokyo release when it comes to Integration Hub. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And of course, I always say that with the utmost love and respect. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. In this episode, I've got the pleasure of talking to Staff Product Manager at ServiceNow, Anders Henriksen. How are you today, Anders? I'm very good, thank you, Chuck. How are you doing? I'm off to a good start. It's a bright, sunny morning where I am, and I believe it's a cloudy, overcast afternoon where you are. Normally it is, but today we actually got some sunshine, so I mark it in the calendar. Yes, sunshine. All right. You and I have known each other at ServiceNow's co-works for 12 years. That's, that's hard to believe. But I realized I don't know that much about you personally, other than you live somewhere across the Atlantic Ocean. So please tell me and the listener a little bit about yourself. Right, Chuck. I'll try to make it quick then, but originally from Sweden, hence why I got this accent. Um, nowadays, I live in the UK, um, which has been my home for about 23 years, so I'm quite old. Um, I started uh, working, I, I started my working life as a programmer, um, moved into sort of Unix and system administration, database administration, and those technical things, worked with a few telco software providers to implement billing systems across the globe. And a lot of it is sort of technical things. And that's, I think we're talking about integrations here, right? But all those years, writing those scripts, setting up those cron jobs, just understand, you know, helping my own work life to simplify it, I guess, right? That's what got me started in integrations, I guess. And before we hit record, you and I were talking about the early days of both of us, like 12 years ago at ServiceNow, doing discovery implementations, that, that Unix experience, understanding ports and protocols. And that's not what we're here to talk about, but I thought that'd be a good freebie to throw into the listener. You never know what your experience will sum up to be for your next position or a future position. So keep that in mind that variety is really good, especially those personal projects that we talked about with Jake a few months ago. So, all right, I'm totally off track. This is about you. <laughs> yeah, no, that is good, Chuck. And I, I, I agree, right? It's um, whatever you have in the background and whatever you um, tell them at the job interview, I guess, right? That that they will put you in a in a place there. And for me, it was actually the opposite. I knew the protocols and the discovery part. I just didn't know much about incidents, problem, change, I guess, right? So we came from different backgrounds there, I guess. So. But that's good. A lot of fun. And when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing for fun? Uh, usually I disconnect from all my technical devices, go outdoors, put on a pair of hiking shoes and go camping in a forest or paddling down the river or something like that, right? That's outdoors is the place for me. Nice. I wish I could do that. Even when I'm unplugged, my watch still vibrates and goes, <laughs> no, stop. I don't need to keep up with this Facebook conversation right now. Speaking of watch buzzing. For our fun question, what is your favorite item you bought this year? Yeah, I used to say that um, I spent my way through the pandemic, I guess, right? Uh, I, I seem to have bought a lot of things over the last couple of years. Uh, this year, I think it's uh, my Kamado barbecue. 
you know, the big ceramic barbecues. Mm. Um, they probably they've probably been around for years over where you are, but uh, they're amazing. I bought one of those, and I'm trying to cook as much as possible. Hence the outdoor uh, living, outdoor cooking. Nice, good combination. You enjoy it? Use it a lot? Yeah, I do actually. When it's not raining, you know. I'm in the UK. So. Hey, we're not sponsoring anyone else's products in case anyone is wondering. I'm not putting any affiliate <laughs> links in the show notes, so never mind. If you, if you want one, go talk to Anders. We'll give you his links later. <laughs> All right. Before we get into our main topic, I wanted to call back to Michael's episode, number 62, that we released on September 23rd about automation engine and the stack in there. So this fits in really well with that because Integration Hub is part of the automation engine uh, stack. So let's talk about Integration Hub for the new listeners. I always like to start here. Long-time listeners will know this. That way, when somebody's new, we don't just go, hey, let's talk about Integration Hub, and they go, what is it? I want to define what it is from the beginning, from the subject matter expert. That'd be you. <laughs> Excellent. Right. So um, when we first joined uh, Chuck, there was um, orchestration, I think, was the, was the place to mm-hmm. go for anything automation. and. Um, you know, we've, we've been there, we, we used them, we, we loved them uh, back then, right? But they usually turn quite quickly into some kind of scripting, uh, most of the time, I guess, right? And although it, it was a good way to sort of automate things back then, but there needed to be a better way, a simpler way maybe to set up these integrations. And um, Flow Designer, which is the uh, place where you're using integration apps, so Flow Designer allows you to build this process of, logical steps and it will trigger by state changes on records or whatever in ServiceNow platform or if a user orders something from the catalog or an email comes in or uh, external API calls, whatever. There's many ways to trigger these flows. Um, and that's where integration have comes in. So in this flow, you can then reach out to other systems and they might be going gather some information from Big Fix or check the latest status in Jira or send notifications to Teams or Slack or deploy virtual machines in the cloud. There's so many things we can do, of course, right? And I think when you spoke to Michael, um, you were talking about the number of spokes, which is 175 plus um, spokes are available on the store. So that's a, a big uh, array of, of spokes to use uh, in your flows. And if there isn't one there, you can obviously build your own reusable components in an action and a spoke and, and share them on the on the platform in your environment. So. I'm going to back up real quick again for the new listeners. Spoke is a collection of actions generally based around a particular technology. So when you said Jira spoke, there's, you know, go get my projects and update this. Those are the actions that are collected into a Jira spoke. There's Google Sheets spoke. There's uh, spokes all over the place. You have 175 of these collections that you can get from the store. So just clarifying in case anybody missed the memo, I don't want to, don't want to assume everybody knows everything at this point. Okay. Now that we've got the basics out of the way, what's new in Tokyo? Cause I, I perceived this as more of a, a maintenance release than, than having a big shiny object, unless I missed something. So please clue me in. No, you're right, Chuck. We've uh, we've been able to go and focus on some, uh, not the big shiny things, as you say, right, but sort of some really, really useful things in Tokyo as well. And so um, the first one I want to bring up is uh, connection override. And um, let's see if I can set the scene for this one. So as you build integrations uh, on the ServiceNow platform, 
you you might build a, a, a an action that goes out and collects data from a system within your environment, but you might have multiple systems across the world. So you have one in 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 America, you have one in Europe, you have one in Australia, maybe, and these these environments they're the same as from an integration. So I just want to connect to them and bring data back. So when you set up your data integration, you would connect to uh, this environment, and now you want to connect to the other two. So in the past, you would have to either script that to sort of change that connection, mm-hmm. or you would have to build a whole new integration again, right? You would have to set up the, the data source connection. You would have to build your mapping, and you would have to schedule it as well. Right? But so in Tokyo, with a connection override, it means that when I schedule my import, I can override that connection. Can you set up a new schedule and say, this time, when I when you run this schedule, connect to this environment instead, and I bring the data back from that system. So it simplifies the maintenance, simplifies the setup um, uh, of, of data imports then from, from multiple environments. Uh, and the scalability as well. So it, I hadn't thought about it on a global capacity. Like you said, you might have a connection in Australia and you might have a different connection in EMEA. That that would be frightening to think about prior to Tokyo having connection overrides. Uh, so I can I can certainly see how some customers would get a big benefit out of that. Yeah. Okay, that's one. I suspect you have more. I have more. So integration hub imports. So uh, hopefully most uh, listeners have have used the new feature of integration hub import. It came out in Rome, um, and this is simpler way of importing data to um, the platform. So it's sort of a three-step approach. You set up your source, which is a data stream, we said, or Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you configure your mapping, drag and drop, and drag the pills over to where you want them. And you then the third step is to either run it or set up a schedule for it. So it's sort of a simplified way um, of running imports. Um, and and the, it's been around since Rome, as I said. So the Tokyo new thing, the new thing in Tokyo, is that we can now detect changes to them. So sometimes, you know, these Excel spreadsheets they would change. <laughs> Some sometimes they change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's more than sometimes. Um, lots of the time they change. So and or even even data streams, right? So you might improve or sort of add things onto your data stream actions that they bring out different or more data usually mm-hmm. um, to your integration. So now we can detect that. We'll give the users sort of a heads up to say these have changed. And, you know, you might want to go and check your mapping if there's more fields you want to add to this as well. So um, it's a nice feature um, and it just helps the integrations to to stay up to date. I love Integration Hub Import, and I wish it was around when we started, you know, 12, 14 years ago doing these imports. It just simplifies the whole data source, import set, transform map, field mappings. Uh, it's it's not as robust. I will say that you don't have things like the on after, on start scripts, but for the target audience that's importing a spreadsheet, that's going to do it most of the time. It's just so much easier. The other thing I discovered quite by accident when I was preparing for Knowledge 22 was that the uh, the fields for the source and the target are now alphabetized. I was putting together a demo for CreatorCon, and I was importing the spreadsheet. I went, wow, they're, they're alphabetized. And you might not think something like this is important. 
until you reach a lot of people that are new to the platform. You know, I can scan through there and go find name. You know, it's the fourth one over here and it's the sixth one over there. Somebody mentioned this when I was writing my own ticketing system a couple decades ago. And and I had uh, like the field status type on there. And and she said, hey, can you make those alphabetized? I'm like, mm, grumble, grumble, grumble. I did it. And a whole bunch of people went, oh, thank you. I didn't even know. You know. So things as a developer that you might miss, you probably want to get some user acceptance testing on those. So just having the alphabetized field, it may not seem like a lot, but it is to a lot of people. But I think I think you're right, Chuck. And the, it's a small thing that makes a big difference, as you said, right? And uh, you might not notice it or you might not care so much if it's less than 20 fields in your target. Um, but as soon as you have to scroll up and down, it um, becomes pretty tricky. So um, I'm glad we fixed that. And we've got more improvements in that area. I mean, that's... What else do you have in your bag of tricks for Integration Hub for Tokyo? Yeah, so so another little thing. Since we are on the Integration Hub import side of things, so you know how you can use reference fields. Um, so you have a table and you have a reference field and you... Up until Tokyo, you had to put in the display value. Sure. Um, this, so that was that was pretty easy if you know the display value. But if you have another value, you couldn't sort of reference another field in there. So we've made that available as well. To sort of, you can now select the exact field in that reference table that you want to use for matching with. So small things like that we managed to fit in there. So. That's witchcraft. Normally, you know, let's say I get a spreadsheet from one department and it's got a whole bunch of department codes in it. And I've got codes and names in my CMN department table in ServiceNow. Normally, people reference that as, you know, 4400-sales. Well, if it's not that way in the spreadsheet, all they have is 4400, you can map that now to say, I can either use the 4400 part, or I can use the sales, or I can use the whole thing. Absolutely. That's awesome. (laughs) I love it. Wow. Again, where was this when I was a child? I know. <laughs> Should we go for one more here, right? So, um, yes. It's a little bit more technical, um, but um, it's about dynamic output. So dynamic output is a feature on a data stream actions then, right? So, um, so imagine you call a third-party system for an, we call it an object, uh, you say, Give me this object. But depending on the parameters you send to this third-party system, mm-hmm. you might get a different structure back. So if I call this system with an input parameter of user, or if I call it with an input parameter of building, I might get different structure back, and that would change my output from my action. So, sure. So again, that is something now we support in um, in the integration of imports. So if you have a data stream action with dynamic outputs, you can now use them as well. So um, that's that's a nice little feature we've added in. This is one of those things that we've had in Integration Hub where you're creating your own actions and whatnot. You could have dynamic inputs, dynamic outputs. So now it's available in Integration Hub import, easy version, right? That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, again, I have to explain dynamic outputs. You explained it very well. The value of that isn't recognizable until you need it. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, as soon as you see the light go on, like, wait, if I just specify a different table to my CRM or to my other ticketing system, I can get back a dynamic object that I can, 
wah, your mind just goes boom. <laughs> it's it's spectacular when that stuff works because it, it makes the user experience so much easier to do what you need to do when you have dynamic data. It all happens magically behind the scenes. Okay, we've looked at what's new in Tokyo. Now my favorite question for all product managers, because you do have the word product manager in your title, what's on the roadmap for the future? Safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. Right. So the next release must be Utah, right? Um, So we are focusing on further improvements to the data mapping side, so integration, integration have been imported again. If I use the word auto mapping, you might get excited as well, Chuck. You mean like that related link on the transform map? It said, like, try your best to match the fields? Absolutely. It's coming back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we wanted, we wanted to make it simpler. So although drag and drop is um, not hard, but if you have to do 20 of them every time you set up uh-huh. a new mapping, you know, if you can set up, click on auto mapping, that's something coming back. Um, and also, you were talking about the uh, alphabetic side of, of the target fields. We're now making the fields. You can select what fields you want in there, right? So you can select all fields or five fields or whatever I need for my integration and just those ones. So you don't have to scroll up and down anymore. So simplifying the whole uh, setup of the integration. What else? What else? The other the other topic, and this is a bigger topic, and uh, we might have another podcast on this, Chuck, in the future, but... Uh, it's about event streaming. That sounds like a pay-per-view thing where you want to watch the boxing match. That's not that's not event streaming. <laughs> that's not this one. No. <laughs> and also some people think it's sort of the event management side of events coming in, but it's not that either. An application in this space would be Apache Kafka. So that's an open source um, application. You can put events in there. So that's basically uh, messages okay. into a queue. And it goes down the stream and other systems can sort of subscribe to that and listen in and post things on these, um, these queues then, right? So, um, and what's, what's uh, good about this is that you can then turn on and off, sort of go in and start listening as in, so ServiceNow can listen into to this or, or post messages as well. So let me get this right. This is like an enterprise messaging bus, sort of like other systems can listen in analogous to when you put an event into the service now event queue with maybe a system called like gs.eventqueue incident.updated and and someone out there a script action or a notification or something says hey i'm going to react to that well that's just within the platform but kafka what do we do we have a product name for this yet Yes, we call it Stream Connect. We're actually moving away from the event. <laughs> so Stream Connect is the name. Good. Okay. So Stream Connect, you could put something out there and maybe your CRM, maybe your ERP, maybe something else goes, I want that. I can react to that. You know, new customer has been added or a sales order has been put in or something of that nature. Is that what we're talking about? Absolutely. And these these. These systems, they're really good at handling a large amount of messages. So imagine uh, a bank, financial institution, maybe a lot of transactions being generated. Um, ServiceNow might be tracking uh, the sort of the life cycle of this transaction um, and you know, verify the status of it. So the, the benefit of, of having this stream connect in between areas is that 
we can handle a lot of messages coming in. We're not sort of relying on REST and sort of the number of transactions coming in. So we might have up to two, 3,000 messages a second coming in. And, and oh. these systems can easily handle that. That's not the problem for them. But it gives us that buffer. And then we can start going through the, the, the events and messages in our, in our own time. Would something like this be used for the ITOM world where they have event management and it just keeps firing all these things at us? Yeah, no, definitely. There'd be, uh, there'd be ITOM will be in there uh, as a candidate for this. Um, I think uh, the other way would be sending ServiceNow logs out as well. To Okay, so you kind of answered my next question. We can, I, I have to learn the terminology of Stream Connect. Uh, we can be a producer as well as a consumer slash subscriber to some filtered version of the events and say, hey, I only want the ones for service. I'm, I'm looking, I'm already getting excited about a demo for this. <laughs> it's still, <laughs> it's still at least six months away. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get a lot of customers asking for just that sort of, even the state, if the state changes on the task yeah. uh, in service now, you have to post those ads so other systems can react to if it's been closed or reopened or whatever it could be, I guess, right? So even those simple things, I guess, are there but also the big volume, as I've been talking about as well. So, it's, it, um, so customers might already have these environments set up. Uh, so they only got integration set up between their internal systems. And now linking ServiceNow into that means that, as you said, we can listen to those events and perform uh, an automation in ServiceNow, or we can sort of feed data back as well to enhance those events as well. So. Anders, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we leave... Can you let the listener how to get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you can contact me through my email, anders.henriksen at servicenow.com um, or LinkedIn, of course, or Anders Henriksen there as well. And I will have links to both of those in the show notes and on the blog posts and all the usual places in case you're wondering. I still can't spell his last name even when I'm looking at it. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget, Check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them all at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu. It has changed since we did the upgrade in October 2022. So subscribe to it or any of them for free so you get them all automatically delivered to you. Never miss another episode ever, ever on any topic. You get them all. I do. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow executive producer Chuck Tomasi. Oh, that's me. Video and captions by Earl Duque. Thank you very much. And to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, head over to developer.servicenow.com. Again, thank you so much, Anders, for sharing with us today. Thanks, Chuck. It's been a pleasure. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm not sure if this tea is working this morning. <laughs> <laughs> need some caffeine. <laughs> no, I don't need caffeine. You don't want to see Chuck on caffeine. You know what a Jack Russell Terrier is? <laughs> now, since you have the word product manager. No. Yeah, you do have the word product manager. Let's try that again. <laughs> We do oversubscribe a bit to the term event, don't we? <laughs> we should come up with something else, maybe. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them all at ServiceNow.
Wow, that was awful. So let me start that part over. Again, thank you so much, underscore, underscore, name, underscore, underscore, for sure. And we'll call that a recording of some type. I, I like it. I, I like it, Chuck. We don't know what happens after this. Editing. <laughs>